When it comes to their matchup against the Indianapolis Colts this weekend, the New Orleans Saints need to be less concerned about playing to their opponent and more concerned with playing above their standards. We get all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you to all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe and follow always for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the latest episodes. And if you want to keep the conversation going, take part in our exclusive film studies, Q&As, early access, breaking news, and much more, you can become a Locked on Saints insider by heading over to joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Saints today to join a community I would love for you to be a part of. As always, I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola, on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, Saints News Network, Tuesdays on the Locked on NFL podcast, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks, the easiest and most definitely most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Head over to prizepicks.com slash locked NFL and enter the promo code in all lowercase locked in NFL for your first deposit match up to $100. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, it's Friday, so it's time to get into the game plan. We're going to get into the Jackson 5, and I'm going to share a little bit of my kind of Back and forth with Pete Carmichael, the New Orleans Saints offensive coordinator, because I know you want to hear it. We're going to go through a whole bunch today, and I want to start off with a look at how the New Orleans Saints need to be less concerned with playing against their opponent and matching up against what the Colts do well or don't do well. They need to be more concerned about playing above their own standards. The Saints' biggest competition on the field this weekend should not be the Indianapolis Colts. It should be themselves. They are the ones that have held them back so much over the course of this season that this is a real proving ground and opportunity to be able to go out against a very good team, uh, the best rushing team that they've gone, well, I don't want to say a very good team, but a good enough team that's in the same battle as the New Orleans Saints, right? Looking for identity, trying to figure out who they are, the big quarterback change, all that stuff. Going up against the best rushing attack that they have faced so far this season, ninth in the NFL, the Indianapolis Colts, Real big prove it time for the New Orleans Saints. And listen, before we really like dive into all this, I know that it's tough to watch right now going into these games, these episodes, and kind of have this idea of like, okay, what do the Saints need to do to get a win this weekend? And I understand that that can be challenging at this moment because of how things have looked so far this year. But if you're the New Orleans Saints, that's the attitude that you have to have. The attitude you have to have going into this Indianapolis Colts game is that they're going to win, right? that they're going to find a way to win, they're going to go in there, they're going to battle, and they're going to find a way to get back in the win column, even things up before this, you know, as they start this important three-game stretch. So we're going to look at how the New Orleans Saints can win today. Let's start off with uh, taking a look at our Jackson 5 for the week, which is going to also introduce us to our game plan. So usually I break these up offense and then defense, but really what I'm kind of doing here is I want to break this down by identity, and then for me, the biggest key element of this game, which is the run game. So let's start off with the identity conversation first. So starting with the offensive side, the New Orleans Saints need to find a rhythm on offense by narrowing their playlist. They need to get pressure on Gardner Minshew with their front four 
and they need to be able to tackle at the catch point, especially against these Colts wide receivers. Let's start off with point number one here, finding a rhythm on offense by narrowing the playlist. When I mentioned this, the analogy that I wanted to kind of come in and use or the structure I wanted to come in and use for this is if you ask somebody to make you a playlist of 500 songs, right? Give me a playlist of your 500 favorite songs. You're probably going to have some really good songs in there, but there's going to be some misses, right? Just you know, law of averages, right? So only some percentage of those is going to be really good. But if I walk up to you and I say, hey, yo, give me a playlist of your favorite 30 songs, more than likely that playlist of 30 songs is going to be all bangers, right? Like you can think of 30 songs that are your absolute favorite. Probably by the time you got to song 75, you're starting to go, eh, this one's good. This one's okay. And I think what we've seen so far from the Saints is a, an attitude of, or a culture of good, right? That's good. That'll work. Nah, it can't be that. It's got to be great. It's got to be perfect. It's got to be excellent. It's got to be precise. It's got to turn in results. And I think that that's what you do when you narrow your playlist. So when I think about where the Saints can go with this and how they can apply this, it goes to the idea of lessening the menu, shortening the menu, right? I use that analogy or that, that comparison in the live show last night around like, if you go to a restaurant and they've got like every type of cuisine from around the world, you're like, there ain't no way you're doing all this right. But then you go to one restaurant that does one thing really well and that's what's on their menu. You're like, all right, bet, like we're good. Like this is where I wanna eat, you know what I'm saying? And so like that becomes how I look at how this, look at the Saints offense at this point is that they're doing too much, right? You're doing too much. You're trying too many things and everything like that. Narrow it down, find out what it is that makes you great, build off that, right? That's, that's gotta be, that's gotta be the big thing. So when I say uh, finding a rhythm by narrowing the playlist, we always talk about in New, or you know, New Orleans Saints scope, playing the songs that you know, play the songs that you know, play the songs that you love. We're going to highlight that a little bit more when we get to the Pete Carmichael stuff at the end of the show as well. Let's go back to putting pressure on Gardner Minshew with the front four. So getting pressure on Gardner Minshew is effective. We know that. Uh, if we look at last week's game against the Cleveland Browns, uh, his uh, completion percentage dropped from 71.4 to 55.6 when he was under pressure. His passer rating dropped from, actually, his, it's funny enough, his passer rating went up, and this is the funniest thing about pro football focus, right? So like, Passer rating actually went up to 137.5 from 106.5, but his uh, but his PFF grade in passing went from 62.5 down to 22.4. And I think the reason why is because he threw his interception while he was kept clean, so that impacted his um, that impacted his NFL uh, uh, passer rating. Whereas that didn't have as much of an impact, I guess. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and try to explain pro football focus uh, uh, grades. We know how that goes. But the thing that I want to highlight, though, is that like when you get him under duress, and he was under duress for 41.9% of his dropbacks last week, you have got to put that amount of pressure on him um, that it has an impact. You saw that completion percentage go down. You saw the turnover worthy throws uh, tick up all of that. So that's the big thing that you definitely want to uh, keep in mind. He threw four turnover worthy passes. Um, when under pressure. So his uh, turnover-worthy pass percentage skyrocketed to 30.8% up from 4.8% when he was kept clean. So you definitely want that. That's the big thing you want to do. You want to create those turnover-worthy passes and ideally turn those into turnovers. But the other thing to, to keep in mind is like, what's the difference between when he's blitzed and when he's not blitzed? Negligible. But uh, when he's blitzed, 58.3% completion percentage, but it's only a 72.7% completion percentage without barely moving the ball when he is blitz or when he's not blitz. 
So if you can get that pressure with that front four, that's going to do a lot of good work for you in creating those opportunities to get those turnover worthy passes, but have the eight in coverage to be able to flip those into um, flip those into turnovers as opposed to just turnover worthy balls. Um, all right. Last thing that I want to look at here when it comes to like building the identity is uh, our final identity point when it comes to tackling at the catch point, especially the Colts wide receivers. Michael Pittman, Amon Ross St. Brown, these guys are big physical receivers. The matchup between them against the big physical corners and Marshawn Lattimore and Paul Sadebo is going to be a ton of fun. We'll see if they shadow. I doubt it. They probably play less left, right in this one. They'll play sides. Um, but the big thing is that even though those, uh, you know, St. Brown and, and Pittman are big physical receivers, they can they can do some stuff with the ball after the catch as well. So you have got to make tackles at the catch point. Think about Christian Kirk last week, two missed tackles on that great play call against what the Saints had, like scheme versus scheme, the offensive scheme won in that situation, but two broken tackles, two missed tackles on his way to the end zone there. Can't let that happen. Got to tackle, got to get these guys to the ground because they will hurt you uh, on the offensive side. Even though they're the big, you know, built wide receivers or whatever, or big body built wide receivers or whatever, these are guys that can still, you know, they can turn on the Jets. And so you got to get those tackles in. All right. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at the run game and why it's so pivotal in this game. The comparison between the Saints and the Colts comes down to whichever one wins the run game here probably wins this game overall. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Hope that you're looking at getting in on this game because it has been a wild one in terms of the way that things have moved around for the Colts and the Saints. The Saints now favored by one. So minus one spread for this one. The Saints favored on the road over under just 43 and a half points. So what do you think? You think the Saints can win this game? If it's effectively what you're picking, right? Will the Saints win? Will the Saints lose? Whichever way you go, you definitely want to go and check it out over at FanDuel. And you think they're going to combine for more than 43 and a half points? I might take the under on this one. So I highly recommend you go and check these guys out over at FanDuel because they are making it real easy for you because new customers are going to get $200 in bonus bets by simply placing your first $5 bet. That's it. Put $5 down as your first bet with FanDuel. And no matter what, win or lose, guaranteed, you're getting $200 in bonus bets. Visit, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks again, as always, to all your everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Whoever wins the run game in this game wins the game when it comes to the Saints traveling to take on the Indianapolis Colts, which you can find, by the way, over on SiriusXM. Just download the SiriusXM app and search Saints and tune in all throughout. You might even hear a familiar voice while you're there. Um, all right, so... As we take a look at what the run game ends up meaning for the New Orleans Saints, I, I really want to look at this from it, two elements, right? The Saints rush defense versus the Colts rush offense, and then the Saints rushing offense versus the Colts rushing defense. So we're going to look at both of those deals today. As it gets to our final keys, um, you have to establish your run game with your three-headed attack. It's the first time we're really going to be able to see it between Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams, and rookie Kendra Miller. But you also have to be ready for a big test when it comes to uh, Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss, the outstanding pair of running backs for the Indianapolis Colts. Let's start with the Saints offense versus the uh, Indianapolis Colts defense. So 
Um, the the Saints rushing offense has not really been much to write home about at all so far this season, right? Like that's fair to say, I think. Um, they are averaging just over three and a half uh yards per carry when it comes to this game, when it comes to like their season so far. And then on top of that, that makes them just 28th in the NFL. So they're on a per rush basis, it, it's not going great. And then when it comes to uh rushing defense for the uh, Indianapolis Colts, they're allowing just 3.8 yards per rush on the ground, 11th best in the NFL. So a pretty good run defense going up against a rushing offense that hasn't yet really gotten going. But how do thing, how can things change for the New Orleans Saints in that arena? And the very first thing that you look at is, okay, so what happens now when you have your full complement of running backs for the first time this year? While Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller were going, well, Kendra Miller was dealing with an injury to, to begin. Alvin Kamara was out for the first three games of the season. Alvin Kamara comes back, but Jamal Williams goes on injured reserve and Kendra Miller's still dealing with injuries and things like that. Now Jamal Williams comes back off of IR on a pitch count last week. Alvin Kamara is good to go. He's ready to go with you know Kendra Miller, but then Kendra Miller has a shoulder injury pregame. So you end up having to limit him and not be able to, uh, to get him started. So you'd see how that all kind of like works out. It kind of reminds you of the same secondary last year where they never played a single snap working with one another. Well, that changes this week, right? You've got uh, Jamal Williams coming off of a week of, you know, a week later off of injured reserve. He should be full go this week. Um, Kendra Miller was on the injury report on Wednesday with that shoulder injury as a full participant in practice. And then it came off the injury report on Thursday because he was again, a full participant in practice. So they took him off the injury report. He's good to go. And then Alvin Kamara is all good. He missed Wednesday with illness, but was up at full as full on Thursday. So you should have all three of these running backs. So now you have the opportunity to use each of these three running backs to attack in different ways and each of them individually in different ways as well because of their diverse ability to be able to attack in different places. And now you're seeing an offense in the New Orleans Saints that's gotten a little bit more balanced in terms of running to the right side versus running to the left side. They were running twice as much to the right side as to the left side. That kind of changed here over the last couple of weeks. So as they get more comfortable rushing to their left side again, things really open up for what this offense can be as a rushing offense. You've got guys that can run in between the tackles and Kendra Miller and Jamal Williams, but you've also got guys that can get outside the tackles as well, like Alvin Kamara and Kendra Miller and Jamal Williams can do a little bit of that as well. Alvin Kamara can rush up the middle as well, especially with the sort of glancing blows and things like that that he's able to do. So with everything that you now have with these guys and all three of them being good pass catchers out of the backfield and solid pass protectors out of the backfield, there's a lot of ways to disguise because just because each one of these three guys is on the field who can catch, who can run, who can block, you can't tell what the offense is planning to do if you're the defense. So it fits into the idea of disguise on the offensive side. And so I really love that fit for the Saints going into this game, finally being able to get all three of these running backs on the field and finally being able to take advantage of it. Now, the thing you have to be careful about is getting too comfortable with the check down, right? Like you can't just consistently throw to these running backs the entire game. You got to be able to attack all over the field, but at least in the run game, you're going to get a little bit more diversity. And now you have, you know, ample options in the passing game out of the backfield as well. So I do think that can go far for the Saints in terms of the usage of the running backs. So even if it's not necessarily the run game, if it's the short passing game to the running backs that they're using as an extension of the run game, fantastic, right? So I think that the Saints have done a good job, even though they haven't been piling on, you know, four plus yards per carry, you know, five plus yards per carry, stuff like that. You are still seeing them commit to the run game, 31 runs, 
27 runs, 28 runs, you know, in games. And so like they're committed to the run game no matter what, which is good. Uh, but now I'm curious to see if maybe they get a little bit more effectiveness, getting Ryan Ramchick back, it looks like. We'll see what happens over on the left side of the line. Is it Andrews Pete and Landon Young? Is it Andrews Pete and Max Garcia? Is it Landon Young and Andrews Pete? We'll see. Um, or is Trevor Pinning back in the lineup, which doesn't feel like that's the direction that the Saints are going. But with a healthier offensive line, with an offensive line that performed well last week, some confidence there, tight ends back, and then now all three of these running backs, you should be able to do something with these running backs in this game. But at the same time, on the defensive side, you got to be ready for the big test that is up ahead when it comes to Jamal, uh, excuse me, not Jamal Williams, Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss. They're averaging right now, the Indianapolis Colts, 4.2 yards per attempt. That's not massive, but that is top half in the NFL. It's 14th in the NFL, twice the amount, you know, twice better on, in terms of rankings than where the New Orleans Saints are so far. So finding a way to limit this rush game, rushing game is going to be big for uh, New Orleans going into this one. If you look at the New Orleans Saints rush defense on a per carry basis, their rush defense is allowing just 3.9 yards per carry. So taking it back a little bit, but they're still 17th in the NFL when it comes to that. When it comes to their total yards allowed in the running game, they're 12th in the NFL. So they've been a pretty good uh, rush defense so far this year. They just haven't really been the rushing offense to complement that over on the opposite side. And then in looking at what the Indianapolis Colts do in a total rushing yardage perspective, it's not just what they do per clip. It's per game too. They're the ninth best rushing attack in the NFL when it comes to yardage. So this is going to be a big test for the New Orleans Saints rush defense. Has the New Orleans Saints rushing defense been good because they played against bad rushing teams or have they been good? And this game kind of gives you the barometer of that. So while this game serves as a barometer, not only for the, or, or serves as a barometer for the offense in terms of, hey, what can this New Orleans Saints offense look like? Can they build an identity? Can they figure all of this out? Uh, it serves as a bit of a, an opportunity for the Saints defense to prove we are who we say we are. And so we'll see if they're able to do that. So if I'm the New Orleans Saints and I'm game planning my run plan uh, for um, Indianapolis, what I'm mostly worried about is can I create a dynamic attack? Can I run up the middle, then run outside? Can I utilize Taysom Hill in the run game, hand it off, have him keep, do all these other things? Can I speed him out? Can I move the pocket in the passing game in ways that replicate the run game, stuff like that? Like that's what I'm looking at to try to create a really diverse attack to keep Indianapolis unaware of what's coming and, and kind of back on their heels. That's the way that I'm trying to game plan this rush game. Not because I think that that's what matches up great against Indianapolis. It's because I think that that's, if I'm the New Orleans Saints, what I want to build my identity around. So I'm playing against my standard, not playing against theirs. This is what we want to do. This is who we want to be. This is what the team wants to be, whatever, however it is that you want to look at it. That has to become paramount in terms of you know everything else when it comes to this game. And you can do that by establishing who you can be in the run game in this game. All right, coming up next, uh, we're gonna hear a little couple of clips from Pete Carmichael, New Orleans State's offensive coordinator, because I asked him a couple of questions about simplifying the offense and the coaching staff doing too much. We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. I'm just going to let you know how I'm doing it this week. I've got Taysom Hill, right? There's are going to give you projections. You just choose more or less. That's simple. Two to six players. I've got Taysom Hill, 10 and a half rushing yards, more. Michael Thomas, four and a half receptions going less because I see him with four receptions. Uh, Chris Olave, four and a half receptions going more. I think it's a big time bounce back game for Chris Olave. So I'm also taking the more 
on his 58 and a half receiving yards. Uh, Derek Carr, one and a half rushing yards. You know, he's probably good for one run. Boom, I'll take that. And then Alvin Kamara, I'm going less than 91 and a half combined rushing and receiving yards. So that's the way that I'm looking at it this week. If I get all those right, I can turn $20 into $500. It is that simple. So I want you to go and check them out today. Head over to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use promo code in all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That is a first deposit match up to $100 at prizepicks.com. So it's locked on NFL promo code, all lowercase locked on NFL. Today's episode of Locked On Saints brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. I'm sitting here on DoorDash right now because I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to have for lunch. Do I go to Verde Mart this time? Do I do jams maybe? Or maybe, you know, do some, I'm a big fan of like Mediterranean. I like me some falafel. Maybe I can go to Olive. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so many options, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to deal with this later. I'm going to deal with this later. I'll come back, grab my food in a little bit, but I want you to go and check out DoorDash as well because it's mad convenient. It's great for game days as well and great for busy days like today. You know how Friday be, right? It's casual Friday. You ain't need to cook. Head over to DoorDash. Right now, you can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. That's LOCKED23, L-O-C-K-E-D-2. Three, the digits. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more by downloading the DoorDash app, entering that promo code LOCK23, subject to change, terms apply. Let's get it. Who that nation wrap it up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a quick look at how the Saints are talking about their approach this weekend. Now, listen. I know that the relationship between the New Orleans Saints fan base and Pete Carmichael is not a relationship that I would be writing a love story about or a book about or anything like that, right? But I'm going to share with you some Pete Carmichael clips, okay, uh, from some questions that I asked him because I thought that the answers shed some light on how the New Orleans Saints are intending on improving this weekend, okay? And right now, like, let's take it at that. They're intending to improve and they are making adjustments, not necessarily the adjustments that many of us have called for, not really the adjustments that many of us thought that would benefit them most, things like that. I get it. I understand. But are they making adjustments? Are they making changes? Are they trying to fix this? The answer right now is yes. Does it all work? We'll find out on Sunday. But I asked Pete Carmichael about a comment that he made a few weeks ago, which was about simplifying the offense. What does that look like? And what's the process been so far? Here's the answer that he gave me, and then we'll talk a little bit about what I can extrapolate from it. You know, I, I think that that's always part of it. You look at, hey, start out with the coaches. What are we doing? Um, are we doing too much? And uh, is that causing issues? And then, like, why wasn't a play executed, or why wasn't a why was there possibly miscommunication and things like that? But I think that uh, uh, the discussion has been real healthy this week. So the discussions have been real healthy this week. Is great. All of that. I think the thing that I, I, I take away from this answer, because look, they're only going to give you so much, right? So the thing that I really take away from this answer is this, the first thing that he mentioned about coaching, right? You got to look at the coaching. Are we doing too much? Are we doing too much is a wild question to be asking in October, but at least the question's being asked, right? Better that it's being asked in October, end of October, in October though, uh, than in December or something like that. Like this feels like something that probably should have been worked out already, but it hasn't been. Are you trying to work it out? It sounds like it. So when I, what I take from that is this idea of like, 
the menu or the the playlist, like what we were discussing earlier. So I said we we're gonna come back to that conversation. Let's get back to that conversation. To me, that's what this this comment is. And I'm gonna give you a, a quali or not a qualifying, but like kind of a clarifying question that I asked him later about like, what do you mean coaching doing too much? But just to highlight this real quick, I think that what we're sort of watching here is the Saints realizing that, okay, the stuff that worked with all the different personnel groups and the 60 different, you know, approaches to X, Y, and Z and like all these other things, just sort of that lengthy list of things that worked with Sean Payton, I think that they're realizing doesn't work for them now. Doesn't work for Derek Carr, doesn't work for Pete Carmichael, doesn't work for this team, right? Doesn't work for Chris Olave, like it's not working for the team. So you have to adjust, right? Instead of asking the players to adjust at a certain point, you have to say, okay, it's on us as coaches to adjust and then start to make some changes to how your approach to the scheme goes. You're not changing the scheme as a whole, right? You've got things that work. Your sale concepts, your, your, your dagger concepts, your, um, you know, your over routes company, you know, a company coming over from the opposite side with the clear out route on the opposite, like all these Yankee routes, all of these things, these route concepts that we've watched work over and over and over again, particularly in the passing game, like they should still work. Like they still work elsewhere in the NFL. You're just not kind of doing the ornamentation that helps make it work. The, the play action, the, the motion, the, uh, you know, less predictability with your personnel grouping choices and things like that. So I think that when you talk about kind of like slimming things down, that's where your benefit is, is that you're not doing the, oh, Jimmy Graham's on the field. 63% of the time when Jimmy Graham's on the field, they do this. And 60% of that time, they're doing it to this direction, like all of these other things. You can kind of eliminate some of that stuff and instead simplify what it is you're doing. We talked about the, the hurry up and the benefit of the hurry up is that you keep the defensive personnel on the field. You can kind of wear them out a little bit, but you're also keeping the offensive uh, uh, personnel on the field because you can't substitute. If you substitute, it's not a hurry up anymore because the defense gets time to then substitute and match your substitutions and, and your changes. And so you're also slimming down your menu on the offensive side. And that's one of the reasons why it works. You play a lot of songs that you're accustomed to. So here's, here's what Pete Carmichael said when I asked him about, what do you mean specifically about coaching uh, doing too much? What exactly does that mean? Here's what he said. Well, I think that you can look at your, um, let's just take the third down. Do we have too many, too many plays in? And you know, then guys are having to think so much like, hey, what am I doing on this play? What's my split? Uh, so simplifying, whether it's number of calls, maybe the, um, I mean, there could be a lot of things like, hey, yeah, it's, is it the splits that are varying? Is it maybe a ton of motion, all that stuff? I think a lot of that stuff can be simplified. So there, that's exactly what he's talking about, right? Slimming down sort of the menu. When he said, you know, getting, you know, having too many calls, the next question that I asked him was, you know, when you say too many calls, do you mean the number of calls or the number of calls that you have? Do you mean the number of calls that go into the huddle? Or do you mean the number of calls that you have available for certain situations? And then he clarified the overall menu of, of, of options in certain situations. So where you might have 10 plays that you really like in a third and long situation, or, or, or more appropriately, let's say you've got you know, 15 plays that you really like in a third and, and short situation. If you call that down to seven plays, you've got seven of the bangers as opposed to a wider swath of potential plays that don't work out for you and plays that and you go with seven plays instead that everyone's very familiar with so that you don't run into the communication issues and things like that. So you can start to weed out some of those problems by not calling the plays that people don't know <laughs> and things like that. And then it also allows you to maximize the position that you're putting players in to do that because you might say, all right, well, I don't want to take this zone, this, this play out of our red zone package because we got to get Jimmy Graham more involved in the red zone. So now instead of you having maybe, let's say like, five plays that you really like in the red zone with Jimmy Graham amongst a total of 
25 plays. Maybe you get three plays that you really like with Jimmy Graham amongst 10 plays. And then all of a sudden you're talking, getting Jimmy Graham out on the field, you've got a 30% chance as opposed to a 25% chance. And it just raises those stakes just a little bit, right? So being able to cull things down to what you know will work best, what everybody feels best at executing, it makes everybody better at. This is a part of what we've been talking about since like week four, week five, is you, or really week two, week three, is that, hey, the Saints are winning games, but on the offensive side, they're struggling because they're not putting the players in position to do the thing that makes them great. They're not putting their players in position to succeed. Now, if you're culling down and narrowing down that playlist, narrowing down that menu, there's a greater chance of you as a play caller putting those offensive players in position to succeed. And that's what you're waiting to see against the Indianapolis Colts, against the Chicago Bears, against the Minnesota Vikings, after the bye week against the Atlanta Falcons, and on, right? We're not just talking about a one-week improvement here. You're wanting to see this improvement for the next 10 games, for the next 10 games. And hearing this gives you a little bit of a glimpse around like, okay, cool. They say that they're working on some stuff, but as we've discussed here, actions better than words, right? One action, not words. So let's see if it actually ends up panning out. So I think the Saints are going to be in their best opportunity here to bounce back. And if they actually make the changes that they presented to us, that they should then be in the best place to take advantage of that opportunity. Will they? We'll see. Uh, coming up later on today, we're going to be live again for all you everydayers here. Thank you so much for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day. Every day we'll be live after practice with all the practice designations, game designations, stuff like that, get you all caught up on what to expect going into Sunday's game. Tomorrow morning, in case you missed it, is back with the Sunday game. Five biggest takes from the week, so you're all caught up and have everything you need to know ahead of the Saints and Colts game on Sunday. Appreciate you, as always, y'all, for making Locked on Saints a part of your day, part of your routine, for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi, and if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints, in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.